You know, Steve asked the question this morning, what are some things that we're thankful for that we, we want to praise God for? There were a lot of things that came to my mind, but, but one of them was this. You know, back when we started, uh, when we did the concert of prayer, we handed out these prayer cards. And what we would, what we would like for you to do is, is everybody have one of these prayer cards in your Bible and have three names on them so that you can begin to pray, so that you can pray for your friends and your family members and coworkers that, that need Jesus. But what I'm thankful for is that, you know, I was on one of these lists. Not this last couple of weeks, at least, I hope. But, but as, a young, as a young man, I was on my mom's prayer list. My mom prayed for, for a long time that, that, that I would be saved. And, and there were other people that, that prayed for me. So, so I am thankful that I was on one of these lists. That there was somebody that prayed for me. And all of you, I bet, were on one of these lists. All of you are followers of Christ, I believe, as a result of people praying for you. Some of you may still be on this list. But I am thankful that somebody took time to pray for me. And so I hope we take these, these prayer cards and and we use them, we, we pray for people, we pray for our friends, we, we pray for our family members, our children, our, our moms and dads, and, and we take it seriously because prayer is a powerful thing. So I'm thankful that I was on one of those lists. You know, we're finishing up this series in, this prayer series, Questions About Prayer, with a sermon titled, Questions, Questions, Questions. Uh, we didn't get all of your questions answered over these four weeks, and so this morning I'm going to attempt to, to answer the rest of the questions that, that, that came in over these, these several weeks of this series. And we're out of our regular rhythm of, of praying through books of the Bible. And this morning is a lot different even than, than a topical sermon. Yes, it is about prayer, but, it, but it's covering a broad range of, of questions that we received about prayer. And so I'm going to begin with one question that came in, and it simply is, well not simply, but it is the question, do we change God's mind about a situation when we pray? Do we change God's mind when we pray? You know, when, when we think about changing our minds, you know, we we think, well, if I have a plan A, I've got this plan in mind of how I'm going to accomplish this thing. And when my plan A, when I realize that plan A wasn't the right way to go about it or there were flaws in my plan A, I resort to plan B. And I go to plan B because plan A wasn't going to work because of maybe poor planning or because of something changed. So I go to plan B. And then maybe sometimes I go to plan C or, or even plan D. But I don't think that God is like that. I don't think that we, when we pray, we go to God and we say, well, God, I know you were planning on doing it this way, but have you ever thought about this and this? And, and God hears our prayer and he says, you know, Dwayne, 
You are exactly right. I, I never thought about that. So we'll resort to plan B. And, and so in our prayers, God is never learning new things that need to change. And so our prayers don't change God's mind. That doesn't mean that, that God doesn't act and move when we pray. You know, the scriptures, in the scriptures, in, we, we, we see God constantly moving in prayer. In Jonah chapter 3, remember, God sent Jonah to Nineveh because the Ninevites were wicked. And in Jonah chapter 3, verse 10, it says that when God saw what they did and how they had turned from their evil ways, it says that he had compassion on them. And did not bring up, did not bring upon them the destruction that he had threatened. So God said he would destroy them. And then he says, because he saw that they turned from their ways, he had compassion. And the story in Exodus chapter 32, when Moses had gone up to the mountain to, to hear from God and to receive the law, it says that when he came back down, the Israelites had made for themselves a golden calf for them to worship, and, and God became angry and said, They are a stiff-necked people, and He said, In my anger, let my anger burn that I may destroy them. Then I will make you, Moses, into a great nation. You know, Moses says, Oh Lord, why would your anger burn against your people whom you have brought out of Egypt? And, and Moses makes a case that, that God shouldn't destroy the children of Israel. And, and God hears Moses' prayer and he says, it says then in verse 14, the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster that he had threatened. So although we, we, we don't change God's mind because the Bible says God doesn't change, in James chapter 1 it says, Every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change. So he doesn't change his mind. He, he doesn't change his character. And yet, when we pray, something happens. But everything happens within the bounds of God's will. Gordon Lewis says that although prayer will not change those events that God has predestined to be accomplished by His own power unconditionally, many aspects of our lives are not unconditionally determined and our petitions in those matters have great and eternal significance. In other words, there are some things that God has ordained that will not change. But there are many things that, that are not ordained, that aren't preordained, that He uses our prayers to change things. Remember last week, Deuteronomy 29, 29. We need to remember this. Write this down. Deuteronomy 29, 29. It says, The Lord our God has secrets known to no one. Now this is in the New Living Translation. The Lord our God has secrets known to no one. We are not accountable for them, but 
we and our children are accountable forever for all the things that He has revealed to us. So there are certain things about the character of God that we will never understand. One of them is this mystery of His sovereignty and how our prayer changes things. We will never know whether we... We don't change God's mind. So the answer to that question is, is we don't change His mind. But do our prayers really change things? If we can't change God's minds, do our prayers really change things? And to that I say, yes, our prayer changes things. Jesus told us to pray for workers, to go to the harvest field. And, and the reason he, told, he commanded us is because our prayers change things. And so when we ask the question, does God change his mind? No. Does, does prayer change things? Yes, it does. The effective prayer of a righteous man, it says, is powerful and effective and so yes, prayer changes things. And they're going to go back to last week. What we try to figure out is how it all works. We try to look behind heaven's curtains to see how this all works. And, and those are the secret things of God that we will never understand or figure out. But we're just responsible for the things that we can know. And what we do know is we are commanded to pray because prayer changes things. Question number three that I received. Since Jesus prayed our Father in the Lord's Prayer, as an example to us on how to pray, do we only pray to the Father, to Father God? I think by, by, by Jesus, by giving us this model in the Lord's Prayer, He says, this then is how you ought to pray. And remember, He's not giving us a formula that if you pray this, then this will happen. He's saying, look, here's a model. You want to know how to pray? Here's a way for you to pray. It doesn't tell us everything about prayer. It just it gives us a model on a way to pray. And so praying to the Father is absolutely appropriate. But I think as you look at Scripture, praying to, to Jesus the Son is also appropriate. And this person, the next question was, when we pray to ask Jesus into our hearts, aren't we praying to Jesus? The answer to that is yes. Yes, we are. Paul prayed to Jesus in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, all those everywhere who call upon the name of the Lord, Jesus Christ. They, theirs and ours. And so he says, look, you Corinthians, you prayed to Jesus. Paul himself prayed to Jesus when he had the, uh, the, the thorn in the side in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He, it says he prayed three times to the Lord. That word Lord is Jesus. He said, three times I prayed to him to take this thorn away from me. And it says that the Lord responded and said, my grace is sufficient to you and my power is made perfect in weakness then Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness in Christ, so about my weakness, so that Christ in his power may rest on me. And so, so Paul prayed to Jesus. Jesus himself tells us that we are, in John 14, 14, he says, ask me for anything in my name, and I will answer. 
And so praying to Jesus is okay. Now, let me, let me, that question, they said, if I pray to ask Jesus into my heart, can I take just a little bit of a sidestep and, and remind us, especially as parents, to be careful how we witness and evangelize to our children. That, that we don't just encourage them to ask Jesus into their hearts so they can go to heaven. When we share the gospel with our children, we must help them very clearly understand why they need Jesus. The reason they need Jesus is because they are sinners. And because they are sinners, Jesus had to die on the cross for their sins. And it is because of what Jesus has done on the cross that their sins can be forgiven and they can begin a, a relationship, an eternal relationship with Him. And that's a lot more than just asking Jesus into your heart. And we have to be careful that we don't give our children false hope by just praying Jesus into their heart. They have to understand the, 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 the gravity of their sin and understand that it is only Jesus that takes that sin away. And they need him because of their sin. And that when they enter into a relationship, something about them changes. And they become followers of Christ. And so, be careful when you share the gospel with your children that you give them the whole gospel and not just asking Jesus into their hearts so they can go to heaven. So, is it okay to pray to Jesus? Yes. Well, what about the Holy Spirit? Can I pray to the Holy Spirit? And I, I believe too, yes, it's okay for us to pray to the Holy Spirit. It's okay for us to ask the Spirit to fall. You know, we sing this song, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Melt me, mold me. I don't know the rest of the words, but it's a really cool song. But it's okay for us to pray to the Holy Spirit. Remember, the Holy Spirit lives within us. Remember, we are praying to a triune God. He is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The three are, are separate, and yet they are the same. And so when we pray to God the Father, we're praying to the Son and to the Spirit. When we pray to the Son, we're praying to the Spirit and to the Father. And, but here's something really important to remember. Although we, we pray to all three, Ephesians chapter 2 says that, for through Him, speaking of Jesus... We have both access to the Father by one Spirit. So what that is telling us is that when we pray, we pray to the Father, but we pray through the Son because Jesus, said, Jesus is our great high priest. The high priest, he intercedes for his people. So Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. So that when we pray, we pray through Him. We pray through Jesus. And we pray because the Spirit has prompted us. So we pray to the Father, through the Son, by the Holy Spirit. And it's important for us to understand that truth. That when we pray, 
all three members of the Trinity are involved in our prayer. But it's okay to pray to the Father. It's okay to pray to the Son. And yes, it's okay to pray to the Spirit. But what does it mean, this was a question, what does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? You know, we always pray, in Jesus' name, amen, at the end of our prayers. Now, I remember as a young kid, you know, you all know those people that pray for a really long time. Like, they can pray till your food gets cold, right? And so for me, when, 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 when I won't name any names, but, but when they prayed, When I heard in Jesus' name, it was like hallelujah because the prayer was over, right? But when you think about what we're praying when we say in Jesus' name, we should never blow over that and think that that is not one of the most important parts of our prayer. Because when I say in Jesus' name, I'm saying to the Father, I am coming not in my own flesh or in my own merit or in my own name or in my own worth. I'm coming because Christ loved me. I'm coming because Christ died for me and rose again. I'm coming because I know that the Son intercedes for me on my behalf. He comes. And so when I say in Jesus' name, that is a theologically rich an important statement that I make. It's not simply the end of the prayer. And so I want you to, to, from now on, when you think about, when you come to the end of your prayer, I want you to think deeply about what you're saying. You're saying, I'm not coming on my own to you, Father. I'm becoming, I'm coming because of what Jesus Christ did for me. It's a really important, it's a rich part of our prayer so I pray in Jesus name because I have been saved it's because of what Christ did for me and Jesus said he said we should pray in his name for anything in my name so can I pray too much or beg for something If I really want God to see it my way, do I just pray that that He will see it my way too? Now, I guarantee you, every one of us have used this strategy in our prayer. That we just want Him to see it our way. We have teenagers in here. I bet... Maybe not all of you, but a lot of you, you have prayed at some point in your life about this person that you just really have a crush on, right? And you pray, Lord, would you please make so they notice me? Or, Lord, would you please, would you please, I want them to say yes to go to the prom or to go to, go to homecoming. Lord, please answer you. And you just beg God because you just know you know that's your will and that should be His will too. Now, how did I know you pray that? Because I prayed that. 
And I bet all of your parents prayed that at some point for someone. Lord, please let them notice me. That's why there's this country music, old country music song, I thank God for unanswered prayers. That's true. I mean, not many country music songs are theologically correct, but there's some truth to that song. But is it okay? First of all, you can never pray too much, but I don't believe we should... Now, Jesus says, though, he says that, uh, that we should always pray and not give up. Is that begging? I don't think so. And, and our goal shouldn't in prayer can never be to, 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 to have God see it our way. It's more we pray so that we can see it God's way, Right? And so when I pray for that, that person that, that, that I really want to date or want to, I need to ask the Lord, Lord, is this, is this right? Is this of you? And allow Him to speak to you rather than try to, to, to manipulate or coerce God into doing something, into changing His, his mind. C.S. Lewis wrote this, Prayer is a request. The essence of a request is distinct from a demand, is that it may or may not be granted. And if an infinitely wise being listens to the requests of a finite and foolish creature, of course he will sometimes grant them some things and refuse them others. You see, where we run into trouble is is we are those Finite, foolish people that, have real, that are really nearsighted. We see this far. Eternity is way out there. But this infinite, wise God sees everything. He sees the big picture. He sees into eternity. He knows what is eternally best for you. And in knowing what is eternally best for all of us, sometimes he, regu- he grants our requests and sometimes He doesn't. And so you can never pray too much, but we must be careful that we don't beg God to see things from our perspective, but that we pray that we would see things from His perspective. Question number eight. What is praying through? You've heard, the, you've heard the statement praying through. You just need to pray through. There's an acronym that for you to remember. It's, it's called PUSH. Pray until something happens. And, and throughout the scriptures, there are, there are uh, examples of people who prayed through, who pushed through, who prayed until something happened. Jesus in the Garden of the Gethsemane, he prayed until something happened. Now he prayed, Lord, Lord, take this cup from me. But then he prayed, but not my will, but yours be done. And Jesus was in the garden. He stayed in the garden until he had his answer. And his answer from his father was, you need to go to the cross. Paul, who just we talked about a couple minutes ago, when he had the thorn in the side, he prayed, Lord, take this away from me. 
He prayed and prayed. It says he prayed three times. Three times I went to the Lord and I said, take it away from me. He prayed till he had an answer and his answer was, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. I'm not going to take the thorn away, but my grace is sufficient. Paul prayed through till he got an answer. And I think it's important for us understand the need to pray through. You know, when Jesus, in Luke chapter 18, He tells His disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not get up, give up. He told this parable of a widow who came before a judge day after day after day trying to get Him to answer her request until He answered. Praying through is important. It doesn't mean we're begging God to see it our way. A big part of praying through is is getting us to the point where we see things from His perspective. And the reason that we don't get answers the way we want to get answers is because we don't spend enough time in prayer. You see, when we pray through, when we use this PUSH acronym, pray until something happens, sometimes that requires, maybe it's an hour in your prayer closet. Maybe it's two hours. Maybe it's, maybe it's over a period of days. Maybe not that whole time in the closet, but, but prayer isn't a five-minute fix once or twice a week. That's not real prayer. It's prayer, but, but what what we're talking about here is there are, there are those times when we must spend significant chunks of our day praying till an answer comes. But we're impatient people who want, I mean, we've got the internet. You know, we want faster faster internet, we want faster this, faster that, and we want God to be that fast. But a a beautiful part of of pushing through is is the relationship with God that happens. Question number nine. Is any posture more important and effective than any other when praying? If so, why? Now, when you look throughout scriptures, there are many different postures. It talks about standing to pray. It talks about kneeling to pray. It talks about praying with our hands lifted up. It talks about prostrating ourselves on the ground, laying down and praying. So, so there are many different ways, many different postures of prayer. But I think whether you're standing or sitting or kneeling or lying on your face before God, the thing that's most important is the posture of your heart. Is your heart submitted to God in your prayer? Now, I believe that that there are times that it is very appropriate for us to kneel. It is very appropriate for us to lift our hands in prayer it's very appropriate for us to prostrate ourselves. Prost- I said that wrong, Gloria, didn't I? Prostrate. Gloria always corrects me on Wednesdays. To lay myself on the ground, I'll say it the safe way, before God. 
but it doesn't mean that if I kneel down, that, that somehow God will hear my prayers better. It's more of a sign of submission, of me submitting my heart to God than it is of, 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 of having this formula. I think our biggest problem is, is we want this formula. We want to know that if, if, if we kneel down and we say our Father or we say things just right and we do things just right, then this plus this will equal this. And, and, and there's not a certain formula that will get you your way when it comes to prayer. And so be careful that you don't make prayer a formula. And so... Is there a posture that's more important than others? I don't think so. I think it's more, what's the posture of your heart? What's your attitude when you pray? Is praying in the Spirit or praying in tongues, which Paul talks about, an appropriate form of prayer for today? You get lots of different thoughts and ideas and answers about this whole thing of what about praying in tongues? I have never prayed in tongues. Um, don't know if I ever will. Don't necessarily have a desire to pray in tongues. But that doesn't mean that tongues is wrong. Because when you, when you, when you look at the New Testament, Paul definitely talks about this whole idea of tongues. Now he cautions us, he cautions people to use it carefully but he doesn't ever say, or nowhere in the New Testament doesn't say that, that you shouldn't. So I think, is praying in tongues okay? My answer would be yes. Do we need to use caution? My answer would be yes. Um, what about fasting? Is it necessary to fast? I would say yes, because the Bible tells us that we're supposed to fast. Jesus fasted 40 days to start his ministry. You see Moses fasting. You see the disciples fasting. And I think fasting is, is, is something that we have lost as Christians because it's inconvenient, because we get hungry, because we want to eat. But I think fasting is, is also an important part of our prayer life. And when we fast, we don't just not eat. I think we replace those times when we're not eating a meal with times of prayer. Prayer, fasting should always be accompanied with prayer. It's not about losing weight or... or, or it's, it's about giving something up, reminding us of, of our dependence on, on material things and connecting with God. I recognize not everybody can fast because of um, maybe some physical conditions, but I think more of us could fast than what do. So take some time this week. You know, Wednesdays, I've been encouraging you to fast and to come here on Wednesday nights for a time of prayer. But fasting is biblical and is something that we should be practicing, I think, on a regular basis. What should the bulk of our prayer be? What should consume most of our time in prayer? And, and my answer to that is, I think you need a balanced prayer life. 
I think you need to, you have, you need to have times when, when you're praising God where, where, where your prayer is consumed with praise. And, and then there's, there's a time for repentance. And there's a time for us to be asking, uh, petitioning God with our requests. And there's a time of yielding. And so, so there, there should be a good balance of, in our prayer life where it's not all about asking because I think oftentimes that's where we go. We go right to asking. We, 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 we go into time of prayer, and before you know it, we've got, our, we've got our list. It's sort of like, how many of you men have honeydew lists? How many of our, now I won't ask that question. Uh, ladies, don't, don't do that to your husband. Well, you know, we have honeydew lists for God. We give him this list of things that he needs to do. That's not... There's a time for that. There's a place for that. But it shouldn't consume all of our time. It should be, it should be praising and repenting and, and yielding our hearts to him, spending time in relationship with God. It's prayer a two-way conversation. I think I covered that last week. I would say absolutely prayer is a two-way conversation. It's us speaking to God, it's us praying to God, us worshiping and praising Him, but it's also allowing Him to speak to us primarily through His Word. But as the Holy Spirit is, is in us and living in us, He also speaks to us, I think, through, through impressions, through that still small voice of the Holy Spirit. I think He speaks to us through other people. But I believe my, our prayer is a two-way conversation. And then last but not least... What's the single most important factor in praying effectively? Just pray. You know, we, we make all of these, we have all of these things, but, but I think what makes prayer effective? To pray. To actually take time to pray. Um, you know, we've got all these models in Scripture to, to, to use, but, but actually just pray. And I want, I, you know, I don't want us to get so consumed with, with the formula or understanding how it all works. I want to just pray. Not biblically, you know, pray biblically, but, but just pray. Um, you know, our prayer has to be, like I said, it has to be balanced. I think prayer has to be regular. And I think it, it needs to be Scripture-centered. But it's not a formula. And if you're, if you're sitting there this morning and, or, and you're saying, you know, prayer has never really made a difference in my life. It hasn't changed anything. I don't feel any different. What's the problem? You know, when, when, when we eat healthy and exercise, we feel completely different. But we don't ever know that we can feel different if we don't actually ever exercise and eat properly. And so, I have to be disciplined in my eating habits and in my exercise regimen. And if I do that, I will over a period of, you know, if I start exercising, to, and tomorrow's, I mean, Monday's always the best time to start exercising diet, right? 
if I start tomorrow, by Tuesday morning, I won't notice a difference. By Wednesday morning, actually by next Monday, I won't really notice that much difference. But if I go out two weeks or a month or, or three months later and I've been disciplined in that, I will see a difference in my physical health. I'll have more energy. I'll be slimmer. And it, I, will, I will be able to look back and say, I've made a difference. I feel different. But if I say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to start eating better and exercising more, and I eat a salad every Wednesday, and I go for a run every Wednesday afternoon. But then... Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, you know, I'm going to McDonald's and I'm going to Five Guys because I'm eating with Keith Byler and he never eats healthy and I'm eating like he does all... He's not here so I can talk about him. But, but I eat unhealthy. I eat French fries all the time and I'm, and I'm eating candy bars. And, but I ate a salad on Wednesday. Am I going to be healthier because I eat a salad on Wednesday? No, I'm not. But I think we view prayer like that. We think if we pray once or twice a week, it's going to change everything. When it re- we must be disciplined in our prayer. You know, we need to be praying Monday through Sunday. We need to have a steady diet of God's Word and time with God. And as we pray, will I see a difference in one day or in one week or in two weeks? Maybe. But, but if I'm disciplined in my prayer, and I begin, because what happens is, is as I, the more I pray and the more I'm in the Word, the, 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 the more I press into God. And the more I press into God, the, 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 the more healthy I'm going to get spiritually. And as I get healthy, more healthy spiritually, my prayer life becomes more and more healthy. So, prayer is something we must commit ourselves to. And if, if you say, well, prayer hasn't made a difference in my life, maybe it's because you're only eating a salad once a week. When it needs to be a lifestyle that we're living. So, I, I hope as we've gone through this series that it's not raised more questions than it has uh, given answers. I hope you don't focus on the things you disagree with me on or each other on, like the sovereignty of God and that we change God's mind. But I hope we focus on the things that we can know, that Jesus commanded us to pray because it changes things. And that I will make prayer a part of my daily life so that I can grow and become healthy and can pray and seek God the way that he desires, so that I can begin to see things from God's perspective rather than trying to get him to see things my way because that's what prayer does. It ultimately helps me to see things from God's perspective. But in some mysterious way, this sovereign God that I serve uses my prayers 
to change things. That's what I know. And that's what I want us to practice. Pray to change things. Let's pray. Father, as we end this series, a desire would be that that it would spur us on to um, the greater commitment to pray. Lord, that we could see just the beauty of prayer, of relationship with you. We could see our prayers being powerful and effective. We could see our prayer change things. We could see our prayer changing us. Spirit, would you come and just May we allow you to fill us and for us to be more sensitive to your promptings and your moving as we glorify our Heavenly Father. This is in Jesus' precious name that we pray. Amen. All right, have a great rest of the week. Blessings.